To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just hate the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers So y'all ready to pod? Let's do it. No? Let's do it. Ready to get it going, man. <laughs> Welcome to the Opinated Bitchwoman's Podcast. I don't know what episode it is. I don't even know. Something it's been 50s, a while. 51, 52. It gotta be 53, like right? 52, 53. Ramon, you used to be on 50. top of this, bro. Right. It's been you know I ain't gonna remember. It's been a couple weeks, and honestly, I can't tell you. It's 53. Ah, 53. Okay, okay. Opinated Bitchwoman's Podcast, episode 53. Got my dog Ramon with me, Carlos from San Antonio. Y'all ready to get it going, man? A lot to talk about, man. Yeah. A lot to talk about. I'm ready, bro. Yeah, man. Let's jump right into it, man. Let's jump right into it. Talking about our LSU Tigers has been a release that we are number one. We got the number one seed in the college football playoffs. Ohio State follows at number two. Then we got Clemson at number three. And then at number four, Oklahoma was able to sneak in. Let's not start off with LSU, the number one, what everybody wants to talk about. Let's start off with Oklahoma and the type of run that they did to end the season to squeak into the playoffs like they did. Because Utah was ranked number five, Oklahoma was number six, but of course Utah lost Friday night. So they opened up the door for Oklahoma and they handled business against Baylor, which was a really, really good game. I don't know if y'all got a chance to watch it. It was one of those early games. Uh, I got a chance to check it out, but uh, went into overtime. But uh, Jalen Hurts, he did what he had to do, and Oklahoma is in the playoffs, man. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, Oklahoma kind of down the stretch needed a lot of things to fall their way in order for them to get in. Uh, I think one of the first things that we can't gloss over or skip uh, is the fact that Oregon kind of dropped the ball really a couple of weeks ago. Oregon kind of started setting the tone for there to be a possibility of Oklahoma getting in there because basically people were saying, hey, if the Pac-12 has two teams that only have one loss and they have that Pac-12 championship game, then one of those two teams is going to get in. Well, Oregon eliminated themselves from it. And then they came back a couple weeks later and then came and eliminated Utah from it, which opened it up completely for Oklahoma to have that chance. We knew that most likely LSU was going to beat Georgia to make Georgia slide out of that spot. And so, boom, there you go. Well, let's talk about the Pac-12 for a little bit because the Pac-12 is one of those inferior conferences in the the league, you would say. And it just seems like the committee is – this is my creativity. I don't have anything to prove this. I don't have any inside information, obviously. But it looks like to me that the Pac-12, the committee always paves a way for the Pac-12 to have an opportunity to be in that space 
And it just seems like to me with the rankings and whatnot, it don't seem like they really belong there. And they proven that because all they did was just eliminate themselves out. You know, come on, Utah. Come on, dog. Utah, you know, I don't think necessarily deserve to be that high. And, and a lot of criticism goes to Clemson and their week schedule that they play. But it's the same thing. And, you know, I think the committee, it, they're looking at the Pac-12 and they're like, oh, the Pac-12, is a, is a, they consider it a major division in our league. And they always kind of, like, put them in a place to where, like, five or six, like they did Utah, try to get them in it and end up, they end up shooting themselves in the foot. Oregon did it. You know, Oregon wasn't as good as people say they were. And Utah, obviously, I knew off jump, they didn't belong there. So it's kind of like, I don't know, man. I just don't agree with how Pac-12 teams are always made to be, you know, this elite, you know, well, up in their own company. I don't know. I, I guess I'm on kind of the, the other side of that because um, to me, in kind of my opinion, the last couple of years, the, the Pac-12 has been kind of the, the castaway, uh, I guess, conference, you know, for a while. Everybody knows. SEC is going to always have somebody represented in a college football playoff. Big Ten is pretty mm -hmm. much there as a conference that's going to always have somebody and, represented. And the Big 12. You know, and so now you have – and so I think that the Pac-12 has missed out for some time. I think, honestly, when they had them at those spots, I always felt that Oregon, to me, was a team that had that's the only a one. better chance and a better opportunity. And I saw, you know, once Oregon had that loss um, – you know, again, that's slipping my mind. I think it's Arizona State that they lost to a couple of weeks ago. That really kind of knocked them out of the discussion. Um, I felt that, you know, at that point, that made it very tough for the Pac-12 to have someone that could really, uh, I guess, be someone that was worth the spot. Because I honestly do believe that Oregon, I believe that Oregon is a team that, wouldn't have a chance to beat any of the top three, but I believe from four and beyond, Oregon is right there with anybody else. Um, and so I think, you know, like you said, once they kind of eliminated themselves from it, though, and we knew Utah didn't have much stock, really, honestly, in them as a team. Mm -hmm. Utah, if they can't just, you know, flat out stop you defensively, they don't have the offensive firepower. Duh. And even if you, I mean, and even if you look at them as a program, Recruiting rankings mean something. And so if you look yeah, at do. the top four, those top four that are in the playoff right now are consistently top ten in recruiting and sometimes top five it and does. above that. And so you look at Utah, they don't have that talent base there. And that's what to me I, I hate I don't like Bama. This is as LSU check my check my temperature. Check my temperature, Ramon. What I'm about to say, you're gonna kill me for it. But that's why Bama being twelve is kind of ridiculous. Oh, I agree. Because even though they lost two games to a LA, to to LSU and to a good Auburn team, who we only beat by three points, you know, and without their starting quarterback, you know, I think that them being twelve is kind of ridiculous. And you know, I, I'm not a Bama fan by any means, but you're not gonna tell me that there are eight teams better than Alabama in this country. And that's why I think that the college football playoffs, granted to their defense, I think that it's it's as close to perfect. That it could get, but I still think they have some some things to work on. Because, I mean, you drop Bama to 12, but that's what you're saying. You're saying that they're uh, eight teams better than than Bama. Than Bama and I, don't, I just don't think that that's the case at all. And, you know, if anything, Bama should be five. But even then, I can make a case that they should be in it b before Oklahoma because Oklahoma losses are worse than, than, than Alabama's losses. But hey, I'm not a Bama fan. Nah, not... I can't make a case. <laughs> a case for them to be in over Oklahoma. I can make a case for them to be higher than they were in the rankings. 
And um, but check it. They, I think the latest at, rankings they may have gone up a little bit higher than that. But head to but, head, head to head, you're not gonna tell me that Bama's losses are are worse than. Than Oklahoma's losses. Yeah, but also too, you can't tell me that Bama has a win that's nearly as impressive as anything. Now that's Oklahoma the point there. That's the point. That's a so, good point. That's a solid point. But I'm just saying that's kind of one of those things that you know I think that they have to kind of work on because I think that even though they're trying to be uh, less biased as they possibly can with it, I just feel like the top teams are not in the playoffs. Honestly, or, or somebody ends up getting loose. But I think they got it pretty much right now. But you know, what? yeah, go ahead. No, I just think, you know, just like every year with college football, it's about, one, who you play, when you play them, you know. And, unfortunately, Alabama had the tougher part of their schedule at the end of the year, towards the end of the year, where they need to catch the momentum, where they where they need to get those wins to be in the conversation for those top four spots, you know. Um, and, unfortunately, you know, that two of their losses came late in the year against, like you said, a good LSU team and a good Auburn team. So, I mean, looking at it, you know, I'm going to say this as an LSU fan, you know, and this is the first time that the playoff system that we had that Alabama has missed. So mm. Alabama would be fine missing the playoffs. So I yeah, that'd be fine. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to defend them. I, I don't think ultimately they should be in the playoffs. I don't know what their ranking is now. Uh, uh, I haven't, honestly, I haven't had a chance to check out the final. We hadn't checked it out. at this point, you know. I mean, we don't care. I mean, yeah, if you didn't make the playoffs, because yeah, I was looking at. pretty much really the four. Look, man, I'm going to tell you something, bro. Like, I looked at the, the bowl game matchups, and I probably won't be watching any of them outside of the playoffs. Like, they are trash. I wish I had them. I had it pulled up earlier, but. Uh okay uh, no that's the that's the that's the semifinal schedule I had the bowl schedule and I do not want to see it like I don't want to see like I don't I don't know man that's another thing they gotta fix bro like outside of the playoff like what game are you trying to watch none of those man like they have no implications and you know they were well, terrible well, I wish what I had they that have list. to also even fix too is that. Uh, to me, I know that they uh, all this is a money thing, and so they have different things that are even allocated towards certain conferences. And but certain teams that get to New Year's six games or whatever that's classified as that shouldn't be there. Like for instance, since Clemson is in the playoff, then they can't represent and be the ACC representative of the you know the typical bowl that the ACC goes to. It's slipping my mind right now. But Virginia, who is a three or four loss team who is barely in the top 25, barely sitting there, gets to go to a New Year's Six game, and you have other teams that are ranked, of course, much higher than them that won't get that same opportunity. So I think at the end of the day, even some of these matchups, man, forget the way it typically goes conference to conference. You make sure that just like we got one versus four, two versus three, yeah. give me all the other matchups that's, you know, five versus 12, six versus whatever. Give me true intriguing matchups and not just based on where a typical conference would go. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you completely. And, you know, if you're telling me that outside of that, you, you think I want to see, uh, uh, you know, games that, that don't mean anything already, but at least you would try to match them up. Like, I'm not trying to see uh, a Georgia. I'm not trying to see Georgia play Baylor. I'm not trying to see that, honestly. Or Oregon playing Wisconsin. I'm not really trying to see that. Auburn and Minnesota, that could be interesting there. No. But not really. <laughs> and then, you know, they got Bama playing Michigan. Like, come on. Like, man, you have – if we have power to make these semifinal 
uh, playoffs to what they are, which I think is great. Like I'm being tech ticky tacky, I guess with being, but for for the, the top four teams, all of those matchups are interesting. But don't make the outside of the top four matchup. Like you still could have gave Bama a good game. You know that's our opportunity. To, we have these arguments about who's an inferior team and who's superior. Well, let's see some of these matchups. Like I want, I want to see. Would you want to see? I want to see a Bama Auburn rematch. You know what I'm saying? Like, or uh, you know, I want to see. Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't care about anybody about Minnesota. I guess I want to see Wisconsin play Minnesota. See how they match up. But I, I want to see that type of stuff. Like it seems like they should have more control with those bowls outside of the, you know, CFP yeah, uh, semifinals. Like I said, some of it just comes down to you know certain conferences are slated for certain games, so you're gonna always have you know that that SEC versus Big Twelve matchup when you talk about the Sugar Bowl. You know you're gonna always have those certain specific conferences that are represented, and so I think that's part of where it goes into it. Um, you know, and, and what I what's going to be interesting to see, too, is that, you know, coming down to it, I know, of course, we haven't totally gotten to this point yet, uh, but there was a big debate at the top. And I'm interested to see how those teams fare. You know, we were talking about resumes for certain teams and, you know, LSU ends up edging out Ohio State and people were saying some people saying Ohio State resume was better. Some people saying LSU resume is better. So I'm interested to see how the teams that they went against and the teams that they beat, you know, can compared to each other. So what does that matchup of Alabama and Michigan look like for us to say, of course, obviously, a win against Alabama is way better than a win against Michigan. Yeah. So let Bama go and destroy Michigan. And I, or, you know, and, all those type of things. And I will say this, and this is the last nice thing I'm about to say about Bama, man. I'm done. Yeah, I met we, my quota. We, yeah, we're doing a little too much for them. That backup quarterback for Bama didn't look too bad. So yeah, I'm interested I mean, to see with I two mean, weeks of preparation, or maybe even three weeks of preparation, man, or a month, really. They don't play till January, I think. But uh, just seeing how, I mean, they may be all right. They might. Yeah, I mean, you know. when you get, I mean, you literally, you recruit four and five stars year in and year out. So, I mean, he should right, be good. Should, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about it. Your guy that's a backup should be good. That's why uh, Ohio State years ago was able to win a national championship with a third-string quarterback because your guys, theoretically, that you were recruiting at that high level, they should be good. So, you know. All right. So, we're going to talk about the stuff that matters. Let's stay in the CFP semifinal. We talked about the kind of like the teams that's outside. We got finally got our matchup. I, I said the names earlier. Number one, we got LSU, Ohio State, number two, Clemson, number three. And we got Oklahoma, number four. Um, did we talk about – we talked about Oklahoma squeezing in, right? Yeah. We did? Yeah. Okay. We talked about that. So let's talk about LSU, man, and, and you know, a, a big, huge win against Georgia. You know, a lot of people was was thinking that that defense could slow us down, but I didn't think that at all because um, nobody's slowing down that offense. Uh, but, you know, LSU handled it pretty – was in control pretty much from the, from, from the beginning of jump. What were some things that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I really think from that game, like you said, going into it, people talked a lot about – uh, Georgia, which which I guess strength will win out. You know LSU has um, a premier offense. You know was the number two rated offense in the nation, which I still think is the best offense in the nation. But that may be you know neither here or there with bias. Um, and then they were talking about that excellent Georgia defense. And so, you know, everybody's going into the matchup. LSU hasn't seen a defense like this. And the whole time I'm like, hey, Georgia has not seen an offense of the likes of LSU. And so uh, going into that matchup, uh, what I was really more the most intrigued about me personally was looking at the trenches and how that would bear out. 
Um, I felt that Georgia, the only thing and the only opportunity that they had is that they are pretty elite on both sides of the ball in the trenches, mm-hmm. even more so offensive line-wise. Sure. Like, I For believe sure. that that probably, as far as from a talent perspective, is the best offensive line that LSU had faced in the year. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to see how is LSU going to get some pressure on Trump? I guarantee you. you how are they going to stop yeah. that rushing attack? You gonna, I guarantee you're going to see a lot of those guys on that offensive line from Georgia in NFL first-round yes. picks. Yes. Man, yeah. they they are massive. They are huge. Yes. They look NFL-ready right yes. now. Yes, yes. So yes. I bet you Miami could use one of those guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, you know, like you said, Ramon, I mean, I think that with LSU, I think – I don't know. I mean, I think it's time for us to start putting – LSU in in the eyes of Ohio State, like people have been worshiping Ohio State all year and talked about who's the complete team, who's the greatest team in the, in the league. LSU is the best team in that playoff, yeah, and right. you know out of those four teams, and you know they proved it. You know, and and Grant Delpit, who we'll spend some time on. Grant Depp, like I, t- I told you in the group, me I was like, man, he really, he must, he must have been injured like yeah. for, for the majority of the year because the guy I've seen. The guy I saw yeah. last night, man, flying yeah. everywhere. Yeah. He and you know a lot of commentators say he's the best in 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 the country. Yeah. So I mean, I think you really saw that uh, right. yesterday against Georgia. And, and, and what I think about Grant Delpit to me is two things that played into that part. Uh, the first thing that played into, like you said, he got healthy. Grant Delpit has been dealing with. First of all, he came into the season gimpy and hurt. But then he really had serious ankle injury, um, ankle issues throughout the course of the season. Like a lot of people don't know, but monitoring even the practice reports um, throughout the course of the year, Grant Delpit has missed a ton of practice this year. Mm. Like a ton of times what Coach always just said, we're going to give him some rest, especially on the ankle. That's why he didn't even end up playing the Arkansas game because it was like, let's give him some extended rest. So not only is he getting healthy, but once again, too, they came LSU came into this season with the idea of playing three safeties because the reason why they like to play three safeties is because it allows Grand Delpit and even also Jacoby Stevens to play in the box sometimes more often mm-hmm. or play closer to the line of scrimmage and to be attack be able to attack from several different areas while they also have that safety help over the top um, which was initially supposed to be Todd Harris. Well, Todd Harris went down with an injury, and that caused them to have to kind of change up their roles in the way that they wanted to play Grant Delpit and also Jacoby Stevens. And so now with Mo Hampton, who's a true freshman, who's been able to step up and uh, occupy that Todd Harris role, it's allowed Grant Delpit to actually get into what they want him to actually be able to do. It's allowed them to be able to move Grant Delpit around, to bring him in on safety blitzes, to have him in the box, to roam him around more. And so it's letting him be the playmaker that he was last year. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a combination of all those factors. Yeah, Grant can fly. Grant can fly, man. Corner from sideline to sideline. I, I mean, he looked he looked great, man. And you know, I, I think that he's going to be key for our defense because if he can be an anchor for our defense, I don't think I I don't see any really anybody beating us. And then you got um, so then you got uh, Ohio State. They had uh, a pretty pretty. Um, they got a, I watched that game as well. They got off to a slow start. Um, I mean, which is no surprise to us because Wisconsin really. Next to Georgia, had one of the elite defenses that we've seen in the country. Um, Justin Fields, you know, he's he has been impressive. He has a lot of weapons, but he he did he was missing a lot of throws 
early on, which uh, caused uh, them to get out the gates. But ultimately, they was able to, you know, to get get it going. You know, Chase Young was able to get it going, and they ultimately they came out winning. So, um, I see you shaking your head. What about Chase yeah, Young? I don't know. I, I didn't really think Chase Young was impressive yesterday, honestly. Yeah, I don't I think he was impressive, yeah, but I, I mean, his really strength on the line is is is. Is it's there, you know? Yeah, it is, and he, you know, you have to account for him. But I thought that I thought in the past two weeks, you know, of course, don't get me wrong, Chase Young is, is he's missed good. time he's too because of suspension. He, he's elite, but so. these last two weeks, I haven't been impressed with him. He ain't done anything to really show up in the big. Yeah, he hasn't moment, made so. plays, but he's um, facing a lot of double teams, right? And, right, and yeah. I understand that as it relates to Justin Fields. I think part of his issue, I mean, he's playing with an MCL sprain right now. Okay. Um, and so yeah, he's he, not he's not yeah, running or making right. explosive plays. And play. so if you saw, he had like heavy protection on that knee yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that you'll see him kind of get a little bit more back to his usual form as the playoff comes around. Right now, he was playing through it um, in order for them to still have, a, honestly, a shot at that number one ranking, which mm-hmm. they ended up getting uh, because they still wanted to, you know, have all those style points and all that. But uh, I think that once you get to the playoff, you'll see him be a little bit uh, higher in percentage. I think right now they're saying he's probably about 70% of himself at this point. Um, He looked it because he wasn't really looking to make those athletic explosive plays as he's made. Um, I I, I think I got ahead of myself because I did want to discuss Joe Burrow out of the LSU game. I mean, that's, that's something we have to talk about. Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna. Uh, that was gonna be my point. Yeah, we gotta talk about that. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow had what he had four touchdowns, uh, three ninety. I think he only had like nine incompletions, something around yeah, that. Ten. Potato, potato, potato. But uh, you know, it, man. I mean, Lowe's, just talk about what you saw, man. Like Joe Burrow. I mean, I, I've been telling people. Some people have been asking me, "Is Joe Burrow? Is this gonna translate into the league? Is he really for real?" My answer is yes. What you think, Los? What what did, what do you see from Joe Burrow, or what did you see from him last night? Well, yeah, that was going to be my point of what I thought was the biggest point, and what I thought was the the game changer of the game was Joe. You know, in his play, you know, I think what's going to translate is his poise in the pocket. Man, he's just so poised in the pocket, and he has pocket awareness. You know, if he had a rating on Madden for a pocket awareness, his will be at ninety nine. <laughs> because his awareness yeah. is just that good. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, that one play he made where he, you know, uh got got away from a couple of defenders and threw it down the field where it nearly went for a touchdown. Those type of plays right there, those are the Heisman type yeah, that plays. Was a that, play. that that, you know, those are special plays. You know, those plays those NFL quarterbacks can't make those plays, you know, and throw it on a rope down the field. You know, only half the league can probably do that, if that. Yeah. Right now in the league that can do that and make that type of play, so that's huge. That's big time. That they they you know NFL teams gonna get on and see that play on film and be excited, mm-hmm. you know, because again, right now if you see who's taking over NFL, it's the mobile quarterbacks, the quarterbacks that can move, the quarterbacks that can get you some with their feet, like the Josh Allen's, like the Lamar, Lamar uh, Jacksons, you know, like the Russell Wilsons. Those quarterbacks right now are taking over the Patrick Mahomes. Those guys, you know, and, and Joe Burrow coming in the league that can also get it with his feet. It's scary, man. It's like, and he's accurate. He's accurate. Yeah. And he can make all the throws. Yeah. So, you I know, mean, he's exciting, and I'm upset that he, this is our last year to have yeah, him. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sure. Look, Joe, I mean, I've, I've enshrined Joe. His name is no longer spelled J-O-E. It's spelled J-E-A-U-X, and his name is Bayou Joe. So I'll okay. refer to him as B-J-O-E. 
going forward. <laughs> BJ. <laughs> what, man? <laughs> no? <laughs> what? Right, you know, bro. That's your train of thought. I'm not going to interrupt your train of thought, bro. Go ahead with, your, with BJ. Bro. BJ. Man, when I saw him make that, that Heisman play where he was able to, not only did he fake the, the defensive oh tackle once, he did twice. it twice in twice. one play and throw it 30 yards down the field. I was like, on Man, the move. Look, Joe is – BJ is not known for – like, when you look at him, he don't look like he's the most athletic guy in the world. But after this Bama game that I've seen and how he can take off and up until this point, even the Florida game, BJ is very extremely athletic. I'm interested to see what he's running in the 40 because it got to be – it got to be close to a 4-7. Got to be. Because right. he is – he is is very mobile. He is quick. He can he can make mobile plays outside of the pocket. Just like you said, Lowe's just the point, you know, just just the pocket awareness. He throws the ball and get batted down. He catches it. And not only does he catch it, most quarterbacks will fall on him and, and panic. And no, he BJ is gonna Bruh. <laughs> You're not with me. <laughs> I'm not calling this dude BJ, bro. Why? I'm not Why? He's BJ. BJ. Bro. I'm not calling but, him BJ, bro. Man, he takes the ball 16 yards makes a huge play like to just to accredit right. his 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 uh, uh athleticism one last thing about BJ and then I'm done cuz I feel like I'm doing too much right now and not only that but just like low say his poise we got five top 10 wins this season and I have not seen him flustered not one game his mm-hmm. facial expression does not Change. I've watched every single game and on the sideline, he is not flustered. No. Man, this guy is ready. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Joe Burrow is the number one quarterback in his NFL draft, man. There I oh, said yeah. it. He's oh, the yeah. number one quarterback, and he should go number one. Oh, yeah. It, it, He's going to go number one. He And uh, the route is going, he'll most likely be a Cincinnati Bengal, but he's going to be the number one pick in his NFL draft. Easily. Um, He's ready for the NFL right now. He's a leader amongst men. He's ready. It's just, it's all the intangibles, too, with Joe. Like, he has all the natural ability. He's a very accurate quarterback, all of that. You talk about the pocket awareness. But at the end of the day, the guy is just point blank, period, a leader, bro. That team rallies behind Joe Burrow. That He... That that sense of who he is, the belief, the confidence that he exudes, that carries on to the rest of that team. When and I they saw, have that same belief. When Justin Jefferson dropped that touchdown pass, which I was I said a bunch of words to the TV that oh, shouldn't be oh, said on airways. Oh, Terrence Marshall, yeah, my bad. Terrence Marshall. Yeah, Justin don't drop. When I and, saw and, Justin. And cleared it, it, Terrence Marshall, because everybody calls him Terrence. Man, that, man, that boy named Terrence, His man. name is Terrence Marshall. It's Terrence. I'm, <laughs> play, I'm joking. I'm joking. Shout out to Terrence, but you dropped that ball. But when he drops the ball, his name is Terrence. But <laughs> but he had a big game. He had two yeah. touchdowns. He could have had three, but that's near the hit. But when he dropped that ball, when I saw Terrence run over to him, telling him, hey, my bad, I'm sorry, I was like, man, Joe got that team a stronghold in their team. They really believe. They don't want to let him down. They playing for him. They He got the team. And then another thing when I noticed that Joe was a leader amongst men is after the Bama game and, they, and the offensive lineman picked him up and put yeah. him on his shoulders. Like, when you see stuff like that, you you, you kind of understand that he has a, a hold on that team and that they really, really believe in him. And when you got a quarterback that can lead like that, you can go places yeah. where no one can. I, and I think honestly, man, Joe Burrow is gonna go down as as one of those program changers within. Oh LSU, yeah, of man. course. Within this 
this to me, what he's done in his time as an LSU Tiger, on top of you know Coach Owen, what Joe Brady yeah. has done, and all that, to me has shifted the culture within the program, and I believe it is now going to have the program go on for sustained success now. Oh, yeah, because of what Joe is only the beginning. Done, Joe is only the beginning. What, Joe was a three star recruit coming out of uh, coming out of high school at, at Ohio State, and he. He, some guys, it's not a knock on him because just like he's a perfect example. You, some guys have to work harder yeah. and obtain those skills. But I think that Joe is the beginning because now we're gonna start getting these Justin Lawrence's, Justin, I mean Trevor Lawrence's, yeah. Justin Fields. We're yeah. we gonna start getting the tools, the guys that he, just come in yeah. ready made to take over. I think he's the beginning. But just like you said, I mean what he's done for the program and where we were at uh, in coaching transitions and. You know, office coordinator, we got rid of him, yeah. you know, having issues. And then, you know, for, for Joe, but we needed a Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the staple. Like, no yeah. matter what happens at, at the end of this, which I anticipate LSU being a 2000, 2020 champions, even though I anticipate that, I'm just saying, when when you look back 10 years from now, 2030, and look back at it and you see the success LSU have, you have to look back at Joe Burrow as one of those staples in LSU history. And I'm not just saying, I've said it today to someone, and I feel like he is the greatest quarterback to ever play at LSU. And I may, I may, you got your Jamarcus Russell, you got your Rohan Davis, Davies and, and whatnot. Don't but, forget Bird Jones for the, the old school listeners. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you, Bird, Bird Jones. Bird Jones. Yeah. No, no, they, they probably listen to this. What about oh, Bird? Right. Oh, okay. And then you say, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, Joe is, is – He's the he's the I think he's the greatest of all time. And he, he, he talk about you talk about some of the tigers, some of the greatest tigers they ever walked through there. He'll have Joe a statue. Joe yeah. will have a statue. Yeah, BJ definitely gonna have a statue. <laughs> and I, I see. <laughs> Why you won't call him BJ? Bro, I'm not calling this dude BJ. Why? I, I'm not calling. What's wrong dude, with it? I'm not calling the dude BJ when his initials are JB. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, nah, he's BJ. I'm not calling him BJ. What about you, Loso? Are you on board? JB. Are you on board, with BJ? Nah, man, I'm gonna pass on Why, man? Why? Buy you Joe. All right, man. I can rock about you, Joe, but not BJ for sure, bro. Why not? Nah, bro. Man, we just gonna move on. All right, all right. Fine. Fine, guys. All right, so, yeah, so we could talk about Clemson. They just obliterated Virginia, which they're in a weak conference. Uh, I think that, you know, Clemson handled business. But I will say this. Out of all the teams in the playoffs, I think that teams were scrapping for that number one seed. Because I don't think – I think out of all of those teams, no disrespect to Oklahoma, I, that's the team I want to see as opposed to seeing Ohio State or Clemson first round. Let them boys beat up on each other yeah. and then it would see us as we, we, we handle Oklahoma, which I think the LSU and Oklahoma matchup, I feel like Oklahoma – this is this. I thought I'd never in a million years say this. I don't think Oklahoma can score with us. No, they can't. They can't and, score with us. And defensive-wise, I mean, our defense is suspect, but our defense has proven that they're not suspect I anymore. Yeah, right. I, don't, so, I don't think that they're suspect. I think that, that defense had to get – I think two things happened for that defense. They had to get healthy, and I think also, too, that defense needed kind of a wake-up call because I think what you saw going throughout the course of this season – was that LSU's defense started to become a little bit more relaxed because you're working with one of the greatest offenses 
potentially of all time, which is probably the best offense the SEC has ever seen. And so it, it caused the defense to almost kind of breathe a little sigh of relief on that side of the yeah. ball. That, hey, okay, well, we got this offense. Right. Well, now, okay, once he started calling you out and saying, hey, the reason you slipped to number two was not because of the offensive side of the ball, but it's because of what you're doing on defense. It's just that kind of wake-up call and that awareness in addition to them getting healthier. Yeah. Uh, so I think LSU is a complete and, team. But. And, and then you, you look at us again. I mean, it was a game where uh, uh, Clyde Elair was a little uh, ineffective in the running game. You know, Joe yeah, Burrow led the, the game in rushing with only like 40 yards in throughout the game. I don't know Clyde if it ended, ended up that way. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's like I said. I mean, for the majority of the game, Joe Burrow was leading in rushing, you know. But it it, it, it didn't matter because he was gashing them in the, in the receiving game. And, you know, it, it really didn't have an effect. So, I mean, just to – I say that to say this. My point is, is that how do you stop LSU? You can't. You can't. So, Too many weapons. Yeah, it, Too many weapons in It didn't offense. matter, yeah. Too many weapons with creative minds running. And I think – And then they focused on yeah. – they focused in on uh, – No, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase shut him down. Okay, Terrence Marshall goes off. You know, like, it's no way to stop us. Yeah, yeah. Um – but I think kind of what you were or even getting to even before, of course, we... we yeah, we jumping all over. We all over the we place. Gotta, we got to get back to, to, to Clemson as we were talking about them, Clemson and Ohio State, and even getting into that matchup. Honestly, I'm going to call it right now, Clemson's going to beat Ohio State. I'm going to call it right wow. now. Clemson is going to beat Ohio State. And I say this for a couple of things. One, one thing, of course, obviously Clemson needed to be number three. They didn't have a case for one or two. Whenever you have that weak schedule, doesn't matter what conference you sit in, this or that, none of that matters. Your resume is what matters mm-hmm. ultimately. They had to be at Yeah, three. Paul Finbar. Nah, chill out. <laughs> chill out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> chill out. But the reason why I, I, I say that I believe that they're going to beat um, Ohio State and why I just don't think that they are just predicated to their resume, last year, Clemson's resume last year was no better than what it is this year. Mm-hmm. It was no better. They had to line up and play pretty much the same teams. And then once it got to the playoff, they were straight dominant fashion. Um, And what I think about Clemson is that Trevor Lawrence found his foot in this season. You know, he started off the Mm -hmm. season pretty slow, and we Mm -hmm. were all kind of shocked. Now he's looking at the Trevor Lawrence that that we talked about. Trevor got an arm on him, boy. He Um, got an arm on him. You look at those receivers. Was he a sophomore this year? Yeah, he's a sophomore. They got one more year of him. And then you look at T. Higgins on the outside. And I'm forgetting their other big time receiver. D Ford. Um, I don't think uh, D Ford in the NFL. Nah, yeah, it's another big time receiver. He the one who went off last year. It's it's slipping my mind. I'll think about it later. Uh, but their receiving court, people don't pay attention. We look at Bama and we look mm-hmm. at LSU. Yeah, receiving, they they receiving top yeah. two. Clemson is top three receiving group wise. Yeah. Then you look at Etienne, complete back. Oh yeah, complete. One of the I love Etienne. Backs man. out there. I believe that one of those Louisiana crews they got right, away. Right. I believe that their defense isn't quite as good as it was last year because, I mean, anytime you lose yeah. three or four Off your NFL defensive line. linemen, yeah. um, but I believe collectively as a unit, they're playing um, almost as good, and I believe that their secondary is playing better this year than they were playing last well, year. Well, you look at it, I mean, with Ohio State, I mean, Justin Fields, if he's not able to have that threat to run, 
then they can be beat. Because Wisconsin had that game in hand. I think a lot of mistakes on their end. I think they don't really have that much elite QB play in Wisconsin as well. From what I could see, oh, yeah. it, it might have no, just been a bad game by no, him because I haven't watched every game. Yeah, play. it looked like he missed a lot of throws. Mm-hmm. It looked like he just wasn't ready for that moment. I don't know but, if they've had elite QB play since Russell Wilson. Yeah, so, you know, you know, it's, it's a good thing to keep an eye on. Okay, so we'll move on. We talked about Ohio State. So we're good. We're good on CFP. Semifinals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. talked about Ohio State. We talked. We talked about Ohio State, right? We talked about them. Yes. Yeah, we touched on we them. Then we talked about Clemson. So there you match up. So let's go ahead and get into predictions. We do it all the time for the big matchups. Yeah. Let's talk about these first matchups and let's start off with Ohio State and Clemson. You already gave yours, yeah. Ramon. So give us a score. Oh, uh, who? Um, I would. If I had to call it right now, give me Clemson thirty-eight, Ohio State thirty-one. All right, what you, wow. What you going with, Los? I'm actually going with 42, Ohio State, 31, Clemson. I think it'll be much more of a low-scoring game than people think. So, I'm going to say it's going to stay in the 20s. I'm going to say 25, 21, and I'm going to go with Ohio State. I mean, they just been looking too good. I, I feel like they got a, a three weeks, two and a half weeks to prepare. Well, three weeks if you count the game mm-hmm. week. To prepare, and I think that they'll be ready to, to get it going, man. I think they'll be ready to get it going. Uh, so, we'll move on to LSU. We all got LSU winning. So, what is LSU? What is going to be the score? I started off. I was. I don't think anybody can stop this elite scoring that LSU has. Oklahoma is going to be in for a rude awakening. I will go 45 to 33 LSU. You stole my number. I stole your number. You stole my LSU point. I'm going to think Hey, great minds. Yeah. Think alike, yeah. man. I'm going to let Lowe's go. I'm going to go 34 to 20. Ooh, that's LSU, low score. That's low score. I'm going to go 41 to 27. Okay. 41-27 LSU. Yeah, I expect a lot of scoring. I expect high flying. I think Jalen Hurts is going to put on a show and become motivated. But we'll see. We'll see. So, that wraps up our CFP um, coverage. I hope that y'all enjoyed that. I, ho- I think we're not missing anything. I think I, in the time we have, I think we covered everything. As far as playoff, of course, right. we know. Right. I don't know if you had Heisman talking on the thing. Or well, like I mean, come Joe's on. Joe, yeah, Burrow, JB, he got that in the bag, man. You said his name was BJ. Nice BJ. Now, look at you. See, that's what happens when you try to give somebody a nickname and they got initials that's the opposite of that. No, that's man. Right. BJ got that straight up. Yeah, man. I think that that's that's That's, that's sealed. That's I been mean, sealed we, up for a month. Yeah, so. Um, so, uh, let's kind of inch into the NFL a little bit, man. We hadn't had really much to talk about uh, in the NFL lately. There haven't been many storylines, but I want to start off with an apology, Ramon. I want to start off with an apology because I owe this man an apology. I've been bashing him for plenty of episodes for months, and I want to officially apologize to Booger McFarlane. (laughs) I want to apologize to him because I was very critical of the Monday Night Football crew. Granted, they did have uh, Jason Witten there, and it it just didn't work with that dynamic. But Booger has been doing an excellent job calling these games and I was upset when they made the hire uh I apologize Booger I was wrong I made a mistake you've been doing a great job he's actually creeping into one of my favorite announcers uh in the NFL that covers the game just his analysis 
You know, he's up there with for me with Tony Romo. Chris Collinsworth is probably my favorite announcer. But Booger, man, I owe him an apology, man. Tell you just get that man some time. Oh, you didn't say that. Y'all I was did. bashing him with me. No, I no. Carlos I, was. No, I, I always said get a man some time, bro, because you know I'm an LSU homer to the core. Carlos. So, yeah, I, I defended my LSU guy. Hey, you was bashing Booger too. Who, me? Yeah. Now everybody want to jump off that. I, I I'm the other one that's going to admit it. Pull up the archives. If you go and find the episode where you was where you were bashing Booger, I not was that, not bashing But him, that bro. Jason Witten, all that... Dynamic was weird, bro. That was that was weird, bro. But Booger, you're doing a good job. Keep it up, bro. Yeah, go Tigers, woman. Let's shoot Right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about Odell though, man. Um, Odell, does he want out or does he not want out? Because the first initial reports about I always what a player says, and he was kind of in the balance when asked about his future in Cleveland. You know, whenever a player says, I don't know if I, I don't know what's gonna happen, that's always a red flag for me. Odell, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., does he want out of Cleveland or does he not? Then he tweets out that people trying to change the narrative on him. I think he wants out, you know, and I think, you know, it's a mixture of a couple of things. I think he realized that he wasn't the man that he was in the previous past, you know, and he realized that Landry is you know, the one that's been there and getting the, mo- the most targets and the numbers show that, you know, and it's, you know, I don't know if it's just the offense is not good. I think it's, it's a, a, a big pot of a storm of just crap. You know, it's one, he's not healthier, healthy, and he needs to get his sports hernia right. Two, the offense is ter- terrible, and Baker Mayfield hasn't played well. And three, he hasn't been the number one guy like he wants to be or like he needs to be. Um, and so that all that mixed in, I think he needs a fresh start. And I think with the Browns, the Browns has pretty much been the Browns. And, you know, I'll take this hit because I was one of the ones saying the Browns going to be good. The Browns Who gonna did be you? Good. You, you said they was going to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you led the charge with that juice. Hey. You were sipping that orange and brown juice, huh? You were sipping that OJ, huh? That brown and orange. Yeah, I was wrong on that, 100%. <laughs> but wh- yeah. well, I think it, yeah. it's going to fit in, and, and I, I don't want to bring this man name up too much because he will be in my my segment of terrible coaches later on that we're going to talk about. But Freddie Kitchens, it stops there. His offensive play calling is terrible. He refuses to give it up. There's no creativity over there. Baker Mayfield is not who he was. I think he he started feeling himself after that, and that that is the the that is the main ingredient of having a sophomore slump. When you have a great rookie year, you lead the rookies in touchdown passes. Was it the league or just the rookies? It was rookies. Rookies in touchdown. Rookie record. Yeah, he set the rookie record. So you know when you when you do that, I, I think it's a plethora of things like you said, uh, Carlos. But I think the buck stops at Freddie Kitchens. The Browns need to get Freddie Kitchens out of there, man. He don't know yeah. what he's doing. And a lot of times, I think that what you what you what what Los has said time and time after again, this is a copycat league. When you see the Rams uh, get a young, sharp offensive mind, everybody wants to do that, but everybody's not Sean McVay. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's not Sean McVay. You know, everybody's not him. So everybody's trying to duplicate that in there. And and you just seen. I think that this is these are this is the worst I've ever seen in NFL head coaches since I've been. Watching football, which hadn't been that long because I'm only 27, but still. I think um, I think on the Odell situation, though, I think uh, 
as Los was saying, one thing I think is big is the injury thing. I think that he's not 100% himself, but I think even if he were 100% himself, there still would be some of these issues. What I think is, is something that's interesting about this situation is kind of how Los was mentioning the, the Jarvis Landry-Odell dynamic. And, you know, we witnessed that from college. So when those, it's very interesting to see mm-hmm. when those two forces are together. They don't work. Yeah, honestly, when they are to, when they're together, kind of Jarvis takes a little. That's an interesting observation, Paul. Yeah, but chill out, bro. I'm not Paul. Bro. <laughs> you you gonna do this the whole time since I didn't go with your little BJ thing over there. Now, now you want to slide in with Paul, bro? You gotta look like Booger a little bit too. Oh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> chill out, man. <laughs> kind of look. Like, we need to have a camera going. On. I know, right? Listening. We need to show them this. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's interesting to see that dynamic and his plan. Booger choice of... in suits are trash, though. His suits look like his mom bought those suits in the fifth grade. Like like from J.C. Penney's. Yeah. Nothing wrong with J.C. Penney, but they just look like those suits that you get from Burlington. <laughs> them ready-made suits, but whatever. They Go don't ahead. totally fit right. Yeah. It's always just a little bit. <laughs> no, nah, just a basic I don't know, right? Whatever. But, Go ahead. But, um, but yeah, so it's interesting to see that dynamic playing out like that. And I we love to, you, Booger. And I have to kind of swallow a pill, too, because honestly, going into this season, I said that this was going to be the year that Odell definitively you know, plants himself oh, as the yeah. number one receiver in the league. Yeah, you got to backtrack yeah. off of that. And I, I mean, I'm, I, that's what I said. That was my words coming into the year. So it's been uh, very crazy seeing this scenario that, you I know, just hate to see this trend with Odell, though. It's like, you know, I, I get it. You know, I guess it's like the NFL is trying to kind of copycat off the NBA and, and pushing your way into the league and, you know, let's give him a chance, I guess, because I was about to. I'm, I'm backtracking. I'm backtracking. Let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. Because, you know, Kawhi got traded to Toronto. It worked out well for him. But ultimately, that's not where he wanted to be. He ended up in L.A. Odell got traded to Cleveland. But the thing that my problem with, with Odell, the only choice he has is to push him way, push his way out because he's only in his first year of a, what, a five-year deal. Five-year, $90 million deal. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to push him out. Yeah. Push his way out, which I think he he can, cause we've seen it. That's but a, I mean, have we seen our, Have you seen a successful guy push out in the NFL? I mean, I AB mean, did it, it well, but AB flew off the wall. That's what I said. AB's could have been successful. AB just his head wasn't yeah, straight, he, he. so his could have been successful on the Odell thing. That's a very that's a very I guess interesting situation because you'll be forcing yourself out of a situation that could potentially be good. Yeah, and then your basically best friend is there, so that's like one of us recording this podcast and one of us like getting away from a team and leaving. Yeah, you know, join another podcast. Yeah, like it's a that's a very kind of it's a weird situation right there. So I don't know. I think honestly, you know this this season is almost. Even though they played better recently, it's almost kind of a, a slight throwaway. That's because they've been the playing. Browns. I mean, when you beat the Bengals, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. But I think, And you uh, beat the Dolphins? Come on, Ramon. Yeah. The only team they've been, they played twice worth mentioning is the Steelers. And they beat them once. Yeah. But I say that to say, I think that you still got to give it some time. I think that everything mm-hmm. with this doesn't come within a year and it's not always Ramon, just figured out they're not going to see any success until yeah. they get Freddie Kitchens out the kitchen no pun intended 
Man, I'm telling you, Freddie Kitchens is, is is their demise. It's, it's he so, don't know what he's right. doing. He it's so lost. difficult though to, to keep switching and going. You coach, wear the like coach, the t-shirt, like the t-shirt thing. Why don't you focus on winning some games instead of trying to send subliminal shots, which we didn't talk about, which ain't worth talking about with Miles Garrett and and Miles Mason, Mason Rudolph. Rudolph. That's the end of Mason Rudolph as we know it. Yeah. You know, honestly. But anyway. Yeah, so, um, but I think people, we hadn't recorded in a while, so I don't know. That's old. That's yeah, that's, that's I don't even feel like talking about it. I don't even it. feel like talking about it anymore. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, yeah, man, get Freddie Kitchens out. Like, what's transitioning, bro? Has this been the worst stretch of NFL coaches you've seen? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's not having a good, 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 uh, good go at it. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, as I aforementioned, and Jason Garrett. Oh boy, mm-hmm. Jason Garrett. If this is not his last year, I don't know if he will ever not be Dallas Cowboys coach. I mean, what's going on, man? Is it the is it the trend? I think that I you know are we rushing to you know you got I think Atlanta's coach is on the high seat. But Atlanta's been playing a little bit better recently. A little bit man. better, been but playing, but they still. were pretty dominant. Um, I mean, it was Carolina. Carolina, has yeah, been good. but they were pretty run. dominant today, and they, they Ron Rivera lost his job. Yeah, you know? um, I think that the thing, and even specifically going into a name as far as Cliff Kingsbury, I think that he's another one that is kind of that Sean McVay effect where. Let's just go get this young hot name when let's just completely disregard what the resume looks like. Uh, You look at him, he couldn't sustain success at Texas Tech. The only thing that kind of kept that program afloat a little bit for a couple of years was the fact that Patrick Mahomes was there. The only reason that Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion, is an NFL coach right now is because of Patrick Mahomes. This guy couldn't be successful at Texas Tech, which caused him to have to move on. He was about to be a coordinator, Mm -hmm. a coordinator on the college level. That's what he was about to be. And then all of a sudden, he got a head coaching gig. So I believe that that some of those practices, everybody tries to, like you say, go with what is the trendy thing as opposed to vetting the best options to me at this point. And so I, I think yeah. that that's becoming what's a factor. I think, yeah, I think that that's, that's what we're seeing. Just the Sean McVay. If Sean McVay failed experiments, I think that it's causing a wave of coaches that aren't quite ready. You know, of course, Shanahan is doing really good. Yeah. You know, he comes from that umbrella. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go that route if you can because, I mean, San Francisco proved that it, that you can have success that way. And the Rams also. Yeah. Uh, now, with the Rams as two, and I know Carlos' eyes are getting big to see where I'm going he with like, this. What, he Rams. We, we what, have what to ultimately saying? see what's going to happen at this point going forward. They have a big, huge Sunday night game tonight, and the word is that they're going to start giving – Giving a girl the ball more, yeah, I think that, and that's another major point because if he's lacking to see that, he needs to get him the ball. I mean, forget it. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. I mean, it's football. But you know, I I want to I want to see if if McVay can sustain success because I think that you know, along with the Cowboys, I think just like the Cowboys, Zeke's. Uh, Success is predicated for the Cowboys. I think that that's the same thing with Gurley. If they can't get Gurley going, you don't have a quarterback that really can win you games. You can get a quarterback that can manage the game, but you don't have really have a, a quarterback that can really just take over and win you games. What you think about that, Los? I mean, I think you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> Was, you was, know what they say? Ooh, the shade. I was just looking at him and so why you saying that? I was just waiting for the response. No, I mean that's 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 cool. You know, that's a good good 
good evaluation. You know, he has been shaky in games, but he also has shown up in big games. I'm talking about the coach aspect. Coach. What do you think about the staff? Okay, I thought I, I heard the golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah you want to attack that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's upstairs. Everybody I mean, know. Everybody know golf ain't nothing more than a game manager. I'm talking about just the whole, his, just his. Low <laughs> not just his just his decision, McVay's decision to limit uh Gurley and it, it, you y'all need Gurley. At this point, and Los, remember we had that phone call, we was on the phone, and we was like, well, was that the last podcast where I said that it's kind of like uh, an evaluation that people, they're reporting, they're saying that Gurley is separating himself on the sidelines from the offensive team, and is, is sitting by the defense, which means that maybe, just maybe, McVay and Gurley are starting to kind of hit heads, and maybe, just maybe, that... For reasons beyond me, McVay is choosing not to utilize the best player on your team. Maybe. Okay. All right. All right. You done, bro? Yeah. Because uh, let me jump in. <laughs> I know how to get him started. Get my point out, man. Because one, I think that's a hundred percent wrong. There was that that was overblown. If that was even a thing about him being separated from the team. Two, I think McVay going into this year was playing the long term game because of last year we did. Run the last two or three years, we did run Gurley and run Gurley a lot, you know. And what happened is later in the year, Gurley was ineffective. Where we had last year, where we had the CJ Anderson um, explosion, you know, where he came out of nowhere because Gurley wasn't healthy and we couldn't run him, and you know, he wasn't feeling like himself. And so, I think this year we went into the year trying to manage him, and now we can give him the ball because we haven't given him the ball that much beginning of the year where he's fresh. And he can go down for this last four or five games, this home stretch, and maybe make this push for the playoffs. So I think he's being very strategic with Gurley this year. Oh, and so that's the reason why we went and got drafted a running back and did those things. So whether or not those that plan was smart and helped us at the end of the day, we can debate on that. But at the end of the day, we're really talking about us trying to play the long-term game of trying to keep Gurley fresh for these big games like tonight, for the big game next week against the Cowboys, and for the big game against the 49ers and the Seahawks, uh, for the 49ers later on in the year. So that, that was his thinking going into it. Again, so, we can argue if it was right or wrong, but I don't think it was more so just him not just yeah. wanting to play. So, so Los, you're not, you're not questioning McVay at all? No, not at all. Heck okay, no. I mean, he's a proven winner. Right. He's a proven winner. I don't know about all that, dog. He, I mean, he had one, what he had, two good record. seasons. He has the best record over the last few years. Like he is a proven winner. I I agree with his uh with McVay's train of thought. Um, obviously you're gonna see some drop off if you're not consistently feeding a guy like Gurley. But as Los mentioned, we all saw it. We all saw the decline um and the fall off of of Gurley in the playoffs. And the thing about it, when Gurley isn't able to be his himself be effective in, in his way completely, then that offense tapers off. So the thing is, if you could, the thought process, in my opinion, and Lowe's can say if it's different, but to me, if you could sustain a good enough, you know, offense and a good enough team throughout the year to get into the playoffs and then peak at the right moment and be able to incorporate Ty Gurley in the way that he was a, an MVP candidate a lot through, you know, the first three quarters of last year. You can get that version of Ty Gurley, but at this point later in the season as opposed to early in the year, then it puts you in a better position to have a chance to win it all. And so I think that the thought process was let's manage right now. We do have some backups. We got your Malcolm Brown. We got um, Henderson. 
Um, and let's manage with these guys and then be peaking at the right moment to use Ty down the stretch if we see that now he can handle that workload at the end of the year. Right, and I agree with that point. Let me say this. Think about this in this way. What if Gurley really is banged up? What if his knees really is messed up? And Ty, We'll see tonight. No, sorry. We'll but see tonight. Let, let me finish. Let me finish. And Sean McVay has been taking the bullets for this and taking the heat the whole time as if, okay, yeah, why aren't you giving him the ball? Oh, I'm just making stupid. I'm being an idiot. I'm not giving the ball. What if really and truly Gurley knee is messed up or has been messed up, you know, and he has not been the same. He has the arthritis and all that stuff. And Sean McVay has been taking the heat for all this just for, to protect his player. I really think that's what's happening. Okay. I really think he has something going on with his knee with the arthritis because of the ACL tear in college and all that. I really think he's been taking the heat and been trying to manage him for these situations down the stretch. Well, the reports, like I said, came out this morning and said that they plan on using him extensively down the stretch, which I need him uh, to, you know, in order to make a playoff run if y'all still are in that in that running. But we'll see. The verdict's still out. I think tonight we'll start to see if, uh, you know, when Gurley gets his regular workload, if he does, and he's looking explosive and looking good. So we'll see. We th- These are things that – these are tangible things that we can – we can really evaluate. So I'll be keeping my eye on it. I'll definitely be watching tonight. Uh, so uh, so we offer bad coaches. What else I wanted to talk about? Oh, Jason Garrett, while we're talking about uh, bad coaches, I think it's a far-gone conclusion that this will be his last season. Uh, and there have been reports that for the of him being – I'm trying to do a better job of doing this. Describe what I talk about. I'll be assuming – when I listen back, yeah. I'll be talking like people assume what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, Jason Garrett, the head coach of the – Dallas Cowboys, uh, he had, he's coming off a, a bad loss against the Bills, and he just came off another bad loss this past Thursday against the y'all not gonna the help Bears. me out the Bears, um, and you know it's a foregone conclusion that this is his, gonna be his last year. But what I want to talk about, we've talked about the Cowboys. We I've been thinking they've been needing a new coach for the past like four seasons, but. There's been rumblings, which is interesting, that Urban Meyer could be in the running. Uh, Lincoln Riley could be in the running of becoming a coach. What do y'all think about that? How great would y'all think that would be? Uh, who, are, are, they, are, are there any other guys out there that you would like to see to be the Cowboys' next coach? Or do you think Jason Garrett will be the coach next year? One, Jason Garrett is done. You know, unless they win the championship, Jason Garrett is gone. And I think he's, I think, you know, Jerry Jones is going to pay the respect to him and let him finish the year. Um, but um, I think he's done at this point. I think he's done. And um, I really think you know, Jason Garrett has won at the right times. You know, if you look back on it, you know, it, the history of them winning their records, right? You know, back in 2014, they went 12-4, and four, right? And then in there somewhere, you know, you had the Zeke problems and his suspension, and so you can blame a lot of that on that. You know, and then you had the Tony Romo issue where he got injured and then long came Dak Prescott. Then it went 13-3. and three. You know, and so they had these good years that was keeping Jason Garrett alive and keeping him going. And so I think that was that played a huge part in him and why he's been a coach this long. I think he's been a coach this long because of his good relationship with Jerry Jones. Uh, on top of what you just mentioned, 
Um, I think that his relationship with with Jerry Jones, for some reason, what type of romance they have. You know, some people like to tell the joke that, you know, Jason Garrett has something over uh, Jerry Jones' head. I I don't know what it is, but, I mean, apparently he's established himself probably as a a son figure in Jerry Jones' eyes. And Jerry Jones has given him chance after chance. And like you said, Lowe's, it seems like the luck still run out. But, I mean, I look at their roster up and down and it, it scratches and I just can scratch my head about why they haven't had why they don't have a winning record you know and, and one of the things I said is like I, I've been critical of of, of uh, McVeigh is that they you know they not they not relying on Zeke man you know you see Zeke you know when Zeke succeeds the team succeeds and it seems like they go away from him a lot during the game but you know just to get back to Jason Garrett I think that that you know you have to try something different after you've had this many this many mediocre years and even though we bashing them right now uh if you look at their division they're number 1 in that in that trash division and they still are, are poised to become to make the playoffs but you yeah. know good give your thoughts on Jason Garrett um, I, I think the the situation, even when you're talking about candidates um, of, of who could potentially uh, grab, be the next head coach, I don't really put too much. I know Urban Meyer is a cool name out there. Yeah. I don't put too much stock in He's a in good Urban coach. Meyer. No, I'm not talking about him as a coach. I believe Kurt Urban Meyer is an excellent coach. Um, One of the Meyer best. Is an excellent yeah. college coach. We haven't seen that as, seen him as a pro level. And the thing with Urban Meyer, too, you have to question whether Urban Meyer is gonna is gonna stay there for a while, honestly. As a coach, because of his, his re- yeah, his his recent pattern is that he's at a spot and then all of a sudden he's done. And well, he comes well, back and he's this done. year he had the well this time with Hostel. I think he'll still be there today, but he was under some hot water under yeah. investigation and he stepped down. Yeah. So you know, even the the team that you're looking at now is a result still of Urban and some of his yeah. recruits. So I don't and I think. I think even going to the the next name with the Lincoln Riley thing, the thing that scares me with that, I believe Lincoln Riley is a great and yeah, great offensive mind and all of that. But then once again, do you fall into that trend again? Is that going to work? Because the kind of falls into yeah. that same class of guys. Um, I know even the name Ron Rivera has been mentioned, um, and I honestly don't think that that's a bad situation because Ron Rivera has been pretty effective as a coach. Yes, I think yeah. that that that. Especially with the situation with Cam and his health and all of that is, to me, what drove this Carolina team down. People got all excited about Kyle Allen after about one or two starts, and then everything came crashing back down to earth of who Kyle Allen truly is. Um, And so I think Ron Rivera is still a a good coach and is a guy that people want to play for. Um, And that team's rally around me. He's not too far from removed from even a Super Bowl run. Uh, so I believe that Ron Rivera could be a, a good name out there. I think the Jason Garrett situation, um, like you were saying, if it continues along this road, it might have run its course. But I think it's still premature to say that at this point because the NFC East has been so bad that the Cowboys can literally go on a run at the end of this season and potentially make a run in the playoffs. Like They still sit on top of their division or right up there with the Eagles right now at the top of that division because it's so bad. Mm-hmm. So they can still find themselves in the playoffs. And then mm-hmm. when you get in the playoffs, all you need to do is get cooking for a round or two. Yeah. Let's just say he wins one or two I, playoff games. Then you they opt- still come to him and say, hey, you're, you're fired. You're optimistic like Cowboys fans are right now? And no, I know you don't I, mean I to sign that. No. I, don't, I know you don't mean to sound that way. But 
the the team that I see, the product that I see, them guys ain't playing for Jason Garrett no more. They they seem deflated. They don't seem like they're really even into it. Yeah, I'm just saying it from the standpoint of what. Not that I believe this is gonna happen, mm-hmm. but still in front of them, it's not like they so far behind in the division. They literally sit on top of their division as we speak at this yeah, point, yeah. and they're right there with the Eagles. So they land in the playoffs, and let's just say something clicks for a game. And let alone maybe two games. Yeah. If they win a game or two in the playoffs, do they then come to Jason Garrett and say, hey, that's it? Or do they say this team got going in the right direction at the end of the year? Let's build on this. I don't know. I mean, because, I mean, the way they've looked for the long haul, I, you know, I think Jason Garrett is, you know, it's kind of like um, what Cincinnati did with Coach uh, Lewis. Yeah, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis, you know, getting the playoffs first round, bounce out. First round, bounce out. You know, I I'm, I reckon that they're like, okay, this team is moving in the right direction. Cincinnati always played well enough toward the end to, to, you know, to make a playoff run. But when they get there, they don't do anything. So, I think that either way, it's just too many years of that average stuff to where they couldn't justify keeping them even with a playoff win. I think anything short of a conference championship, I, I think that, you know, they done. You know, I think that Jason is done. But Urban Meyer, to point him, I like Urban Meyer in Dallas because he just has that name value. It just seemed like that would fit. You know what I'm saying? Just Urban's personality. You know, Dallas is real showtimey. You know, just like it is, we talking about them. They remind me of the Lakers. You know, you, you, it don't matter how bad they suck. You're going to be talking about the Cowboys. It don't matter how bad we sucked in previous years. We're 20-3, and three, by the way, yeah. now. But, you know, it don't matter. You still gonna find a storyline with it. So I think that I lo- I would love Urban uh, as as a Dallas coach. But I ain't. We spent too much time on Dallas, and we spent too much time on the Rams. So let's move on. So what we got up next? The NBA Lakers twenty and three, like I mentioned. What has been impressive so far? What what player has been impressive? That's what I want to go with. What player has been impressive to you so far? To my league wide on the Lakers. League wise. Oh, Luca. Dang, Luka, took mine. Luca has Luca has been the the man this season. I you asked this question a couple of podcasts ago when we were recording, um, and, and no, you made the statement of Luca being a top ten player, and I paused for a second because I tried to think in my mind right. of these ten players. <laughs> right. I paused, and I was, but seeing it now, I mean, it's it's evident. It's, it's so easy that it's he's easy a top ten player Elite. easily. Just twenty yeah. years old. Hadn't he made twenty one yet? Yeah, it, it's honestly ridiculous the the level that he's playing at, and he makes it look so easy. Like, you and never, it ain't like he's a a large guy. Yeah, he's only like all, six three, he, and he doesn't seem so like this just athletic freak or something. No, that he, he just he just skilled. out there just skill, just beating you with skills. His step back. People it's talk lethal. about Harden step back so much. Yeah. His step back is because he doesn't travel hard. when he does. Yeah, it. it, it's just. <laughs> He's honestly so ridiculous, and even the the clip that he rebounds at, like you wouldn't think of, and look at him and think Luke yeah. was gonna be an elite rebounder. Luka the guy's nice, an man. elite rebounder. Luca, look, Luca. I'm I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to push my way in January. That's around my birthday to go to Dallas and see Luca play the Luka, Lakers. Man. Luca is amazing, man. Luke, so if any player is standing out to me right now, it's okay. Luke, and I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I took that. You took my you thunder, took, but I got a backup. You took, you took I got a backup. points for LSU, yeah, so yeah. I had to come I got back a backup. Back. How about Pascal Siakam? Yeah, Siakam and balling. I mean, we had a segment on my couple podcasts. That's why I'm saying, man, y'all better keep listening to us because, I mean, pretty much anything we say, either whether it's me or whether it's Los, whether it's Ramon, one of us going to say something that comes in fruition. And I told you, Ramon, when they got rid of Kawhi like that, 
and know what what stood out to me when they paid Siakam. Yeah. They knew what they had in Siakam, and now you got a twenty five point averaging twenty five point per game average score. Uh, Toronto, I don't know the standings quite of now because they changed so much, but you got Toronto who is a atop the Eastern Conference. He's they up there. Yeah, they know they less have, than they know less than the three right now. Yeah, and I think to even go beyond that, I think they have a better record than the Clippers right now. Exactly. So, so and like I told you, Siakam has been very, 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 very impressive to me. I think he's averaging double figures in rebounds. He's averaging twenty five points a game. You know, a lot of people was wondering what where, where were they gonna go when they let Kawhi go. Then I want to point out something else that 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 continues to give credence to. The GM there, I can't think of his name right now. You know his name. I'm on the side, Jerry. Siakam was drafted by Toronto. So if you go back and and see where Siakam was drafted, I think he was a late first round pick. If you go and look at that, they developed Siakam. They, developed him. they drafted him and developed him along with multiple players that 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 Toronto were able to draft. And and you know with with even when I go, it didn't work out with him. He's in San Antonio now. But that guy is 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 a great GM, and and you know along with the team, it's just it's just with him, uh, you know, along with the just the admin staff there, they are doing a good job. And Siakam, that's the player that I I, I mean I knew he was gonna be this good, but I don't know if he's gonna be nearly this good. It seemed like every time I'm looking at the box score, the kid got thirty and ten. So that's been my impressive player. What about you, Lo? Um, I, I would say. My most impressive player has to be Trey Young, and then I have to go with Ben Simmons as well. I'm gonna to touch on Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons has been been trashed for him in his outside shot for since he got in the league. He has now made his second NBA oh three. My. That's nothing to brag on. That is terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. That, is, made that NBA is terrible. That, but that is progress over the years. And man, he went off the other night. You know, what? I have to give respect for to him for starting to take at least take the yeah. shot now. So I like Ben so much. I was a huge fan of him. He's a fe- a fellow LSU player, but and and you know I I bashed him really really bad prior to the season of seeing all these clips of him making threes. But I mean, for you to only have made two threes after twenty three games, dog, that is to me that's not that's not progress. I need to see more. He's still not confident in taking that shot. They taking baby steps. He, I mean, come on. Those, those are those are th- those are infant steps. <laughs> I, I I don't want to. I'm gonna just stop talking because I don't want to come off as a Ben Simmons. Because I love Ben Simmons. I mean, I the reason why I'm so passionate about it, like Stephen A. say, is because I mean he's averaging 20 points without a shot. Imagine if he would get a shot. But uh, he's not quite averaging. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, be a little generous He's there. Like fourteen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. He. So I mean, but his athleticism is second to none. He had a huge game last night, but I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't really. But you know, who's been impressive? Who's honorable mention? Even though he's on a bad team, and that's Bi. That's what I was just about to say. Is B. anybody <laughs> gonna mention Bi? Bi has taken a step forward. He's a twenty-five point average score. I think that me, Ramon, and Carlos. I think Carlos has talked well about Bi. I did. Did Carlos jump off the B.I. wagon? No, never. Okay. We all three knew that B.I. always had this potential, and now he's finally in a situation where he, he's done. He's on a bad team right now. Uh, uh, I don't know what's up with Lonzo. Seems like he, I, I think he just needs to get healthy. Um, yeah, Lonzo once, always yeah. had injury issues. Man. Yeah, so 
I mean, hopefully he's still young. So, I mean, you know, a lot of players have started off on the injury wave. You know, Steph Curry started off yeah, on the, inju- so on the I, injury wave. The so. injury wave really actually helped them to become the right. dynasties they were. Right. The chief contract. So, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hold off on the Lonzo bashing. And I hope that the Pelicans be patient with Lonzo. But with B.I., along with, you know, the what, what I see with New Orleans, what they're missing is just that secondary score. Because Drew is not consistently giving them what they need point-wise, which is disappointing because they gave him the keys to the Porsche, but it seems like he don't want it. So, I mean, we're going to see what they look like when Zion gets back. That's the bottom line of what it boils down to. They miss that impact of having Zion there. I believe that this is a completely different team. Yeah. Well, not completely different, but I think I don't think you could take away shots from B.I. I think that you would run around your offense through B.I. and then just carry Zion along because I don't think Zion is is just – that polished offensively. Yeah. I think he's gonna get your putbacks. He's gonna get your. He's gonna get your cuts to the goal. I think run that offense through through Bi and let the rookie yeah. just feel his way. And I think too, you'll even see the full, the best version of Lonzo when Zion comes. Back. I think they, so too. I think their style speed off each it's other. It's just a lot of it's, it's really a lot well. of kinks they have to work out. But uh, like you yeah. say, I, I want to see Zion. Well, get back. bottom line, like you said, even the Bi point, might as well say it since we're recording right now. Like you were saying about us having the confidence and the belief. And Bi, all this stuff about almost acting like Bi is just completely different, and mm-hmm. he wasn't He's this not, in LA. Yeah. We saw this in LA. The thing to even add up on that, if you want to act like Bi is just completely different, and, and people are trying to act like all of a sudden almost he developed as a Pelican, Bi didn't even get cleared until like very very late in the off season, so he couldn't even work on this game this off season. Mm-hmm. Everybody, don't forget, he had the blood clot issues that yeah. had him sitting out. So he couldn't even really work on this game. So a lot of this game that you're seeing right now from B.I., B.I. had this game in L.A. He mm-hmm. did do it in spurts, but even if you look at the end of that season, the last about 15 to 20 games that he played, he was playing how he's playing right now. So everybody wants to say, oh, he didn't become a Pelican, and we love B.I. now, and B.I. finally balling because he's a Pelican. We all knew that this was yeah. coming with B.I. We just knew that it was going to take some time for him to get there. And that's the thing about all these young stars. It takes them a little bit of time and development. Unless your name is Luka Doncic, then it doesn't take it doesn't time. It doesn't take long at all. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so you knew it was going to turn into a Lakers save me. Y'all, y'all just got to deal with it. But anyway, so most impressive team so far. I think that the most impressive team outside of the Lakers, y'all not going to cheat. The, the, okay. We'll all talk about the Lakers, but... What do you what do you think the most impressive team outside of the Lakers has been? I mean, I, let's start with what we just talked about. The team that I the only team that I was the only one to choose this team to go to the playoffs. We talk about Dallas. Dallas team has been impressive. Mm, that's and a good times, one. Both times this team has taken us down to the wire and by a miracle and a held uh held player foul by Dwight Howard to send it to overtime with a big shot from Danny Green, we would have lost to them the first time. So this team is Almost beaten us twice. Was beaten us once. One of the three, only three teams that's beaten the Lakers, and so they have a good team. They have we absolutely have nobody that can deal with Luca right now, and he just dominates the game. You know, he really plays that LeBron. He's role a superstar. He's a superstar. And, and it's just it's just crazy that you wouldn't think you look at their roster from top to bottom, you wouldn't think they'll be able to beat the Lakers. But for whatever reason, they give the Lakers fits, and I think they're a team to definitely watch out for. You know, not to you know take lightly at all. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, you want to go, Ramon? Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't want you to go because you might. Yeah, you might steal okay, my thing. I'm gonna go with the Bucks, man. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
about to have my whole case for the Bucks. <laughs> hey, you shouldn't have let me go. You shouldn't have let me go. But the Bucks, man, I think that the Bucks have been very impressive as far as, man, every time you're looking up, man, I, I'm all right, I'm on the Giannis train. I've been resisting yeah. for some years. Right. Every time you look up, man, uh, you, got, you got 30 points and 15 rebounds every night. The guy's impressive. He's he's a staple. I think that you know um, th- th- their their addition of Malcolm Brogdon. I, I know I was hard on Malcolm Brogdon. I owe you a po- apology, Malk. Hmm. <laughs> I, I owe no, Malk. No, no, Malk. Yeah. Not Malk. Uh, who, who was bashing on the um on the books? Yeah. I was bashing him. Not Malcolm Brogdon. But he's another one I owe an apology yeah, to. But no, nah, I'm not gonna apologize to them because this team's not doing it. Yeah, they all they all 15 and eight. Though. All right, um, ah, oh, that kind of threw me off. I need to know who I was bashing on the um, Bucks. Let me look at that team. To add on to the Bucks, why you talking? No, about man, I got no. I'm I'm rolling. Okay, keep all rolling. Right. Then why did it keep rolling? Because you you look <laughs> well. Let me see and figure this out. <laughs> who I, all right, but anyway, <laughs> outside of that, I think the Bucks are impressive. Right now, they sitting number one in the East. They're twenty and three, like my Lakers. They only lost three games. Every time you look up, at uh, the kid got. 20 points, 30 points, 15 rebounds. I think that they are not only a good Eastern team, I think they're a good they're a good team just in general. I wouldn't even say, you know, that, oh, okay, it's just because they're in the East. No, man, they, they are a dominant team, bro. Giannis is averaging 30 points, bro, 30 points. Oh, my God. Yeah. 30 points and 13 rebounds, bro. Uh, Giannis is getting it's better crazy. every year. It's crazy. It's crazy to say that almost we will – Kind of both right in the sense in our debate. You know, we had a debate like what was that two or three years ago? Yeah. And you know, I was on the Giannis side, you were on the AD side. But yeah. it's almost kind of neither here or there. Yeah. Like, it's really kind of. <laughs> it's really like you 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 can't win or lose that debate right now. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them are just playing at a ridiculous clip. Hey, take it away. What, what, what did you have to add to the books? Uh, so the 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 thing that I had to add to the books that you know. To, in addition to what you were saying, is that how dominant they've been from a point differential perspective. The Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, right now, it's either fourth or fifth, have the fourth or fifth highest point differential through like this amount of games in a season in NBA history. So you're talking about throughout the course of the NBA, the dominant teams, you think about the many, um, you know, the Lakers throughout the course of the years, you think about that Miami Heat team, the Celtics, the Bucks have a top five point differential in NBA history. So they not only are sitting at 20 and three, they're dominating teams. Mm. They wiped the floor with the Clippers just recently. Mm. The Clippers with their loaded deck of Paul yeah. George and Kawhi. Yeah, they actually played this time. Yeah, so I see why they didn't play. <laughs> yeah, so so the Bucks have been rolling, but since you you know took took my Bucks pick, man, I had to go ahead and, and pick the Miami Heat. Ooh, that's, that's a good one. That's because a good one. Speak before, on it, bro. Yeah, going into this season, honestly. Hold on, before you start, I was like, why Jimmy chose Miami? Yeah. And now I'm looking like a fool. Yeah. Go ahead. Going into the season, um, I think what I may, I may have had, I have to look at it again. Miami is sitting at like a six or seven seed, you know, thinking that they might be a team that are just kind of like, yeah. you know, barely sliding to the playoffs. But you look at them as they sit right now currently Four. as we're recording. No, that uh, as uh. we sit right now, they're third in the East. Oh, it changed just that fast. Yeah, those standards those <laughs> can change on you just like that. Um, and you see them sitting only really a half game behind the Celtics, so they could easily be in even that number two spot as we speak at this moment. 
Yeah. So they've yeah. been playing complete basketball. Cause, cause Boston, Boston, uh, Toronto, and the and uh, yeah. Boston, Toronto, and Miami are are really virtually tied. Yeah. They yeah. only only one game separate yeah. all of those teams. You look at the contribution they've gotten from um, none who came there as, as a rookie. No one expected that coming. That came out of nowhere, honestly. Um, and then the thing about it, Eric Spolster has just been an excellent, coach. excellent coach, excellent, excellent coach. coach. I had this, I had this, discussion and and the with thing somebody. about it, he get the rep of having the big three and 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 man, but he even had to manage those personalities and everything. I had this discussion with somebody before the start of this season, and we were talking about different coaches, and um, I was talking about how great of a coach Eric Spolster is. We were just talking about you know Tyron Lue and having LeBron and how. All this kind of stuff like that. So they wanted to basically say that, you know, Eric Spolster, of course, he has the championships and look like a decent coach because of the LeBron effect. And I said, no, Eric Spolster has been a good coach throughout the duration of his career. Of course, having that elite talent does get you in those situations to win championships. But he's a good coach no matter what. Yeah. And he's showing that on the night. He got my respect, bro. With his Miami Heat. He got my respect, man. He got my respect, man. Got my respect for sure. Um... Man, so we got the we we got them all. Who was Lowe's? Did Lowe's go? Lowe's, yeah, he said the Dallas. Man, man. I said Bucks. He said the Bucks. Yeah, so hey, it's been a fun season. It's been a competitive year uh, so far, even with twenty three games. Um, uh, man, let's talk about underwhelming teams, and you know, I I have two in my mind, but but it, you know, Blazers get an under, uh, honorable mention, but I gotta go Golden State. Um, you and me, Ramon, before the season started, pay respect, man. we tried to pay them respect, and you see how they repay us. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And now they find themselves, they probably tanking at this point, last in the in the league. Uh, Draymond is currently not playing. Steph is not currently playing. Of course, Clay got hurt in the playoffs, and he's not playing. They look they look terrible. Oh, even um, Russell not yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. He's been in and out. Yeah. So it, you know, it's just not. It's they're they're a poor team. Los was right. I mean, I don't think it, it's fair to us because, granted, we didn't know all the injuries that's that was gonna happen. And uh, I think that eventually, I think when Steph hurt, they was like, man, forget that. Yeah, You're not coming like, back. We, they were like, because yeah, I, I think if the Golden State was competitive, he would be back on the floor. But they've been a very underwhelming team. I, I never thought that they would really be in this position. Yeah. Hey, like, what's the date today? Today is what December ninth, December eighth, December eighth, twenty nineteen. Now I'm saying this on December eighth, but how crazy would it be if they mess around and get the number one pick and get Lamelo Ball on that team with Curry and all them? And the, I mean, I'm just playing scenarios here. That's just that'll be fun to see. Um, to see Lamelo Ball play with Curry, play with J- Draymond, and play with those, because um, I mean he's a special player himself. So mm, let's slow, I slow it down, slow it down, oh. slow it down. I, I understand the Lamelo hype and everything. Be number one pick? No, I don't. Wow. I think I think either Wiseman uh, will be the number one pick, or I think uh, uh, Cole Cole may be the number one pick. And the reason why I say this is that I understand. Yeah, I, I think that the hype is there. I understand Lamelo may be talented, but let's slow down. This man is playing, comp- he's playing overseas competition. I understand it is, it's supposed to be one of the more complicated, one of the more competitive leagues in the in the uh, in the in yeah. the world under the NBA. 
But at the end of the day, it's not the league that Luka played in that is the most competitive team under the NBA. And I understand what he's doing, but LaMelo, a lot of times people use that scapegoat of sending the people overseas. To, but I honestly, I feel like you're going to be playing these guys yeah. that's playing in these D1 programs in the NBA. I, I think that that league is better than D1, though, bro. I think that that league is better consistently How? than what you're you going to face. On How the, you know that? We, we don't know that. Look look at D1 basketball right now. Tell me yeah, what. Yeah, D1 is, is kind of taking that step down. I'm, right, shit. I'm saying, yeah. like, what, what program right now, what team even stands out to you right now? Nah, having, nah. There's no, to me, honestly, elite play right now. I think that LaMelo is in a situation where, honestly, he's getting better development playing in the league that he's playing in and I'm not saying that he'll be number one I think that ultimately it'll come down to him and Wiseman I believe that at worst he's the number three pick and I think that he has a very good chance to be number one between him and Wiseman I'm glad I would take LaMelo over Cole Anthony I'm glad Carlos uh, I'm glad Carlos brought that up because this is is an interesting and good conversation that we need to have I don't I have never seen a situation ever that uh, a guy coming out of high school Foregone his uh foregone his opportunity to play D one ball to go overseas and come back to the NBA and he had succeed. Moutier tried to go that route, it didn't work. Your guy um who went to Utah, um Lowe's loved his dude. He My from Exum. France. Yeah, Exum. Dante Exum took Exum. that took that route. You know, and it hasn't worked out. Your, your boy, Nicka Tink Tink, he, but, he did that. It no, didn't but, work. No, but those guys were already overseas, man. Moutier is the example that you can use. You can't use that. So I can't use Nicka Tink? No. Man, I'm no, telling you. Let me stop playing with Let me stop playing. Let me stop playing with that, man. Nah, it's yeah. Frank. But I'm, what I'm saying is that either way, I can use them because what was leveraged of how good they were going to be over here was the fact they played professional ball overseas the only person that has worked out really really well in that way was Luca and Luca been playing pro ball in one of the second best leagues in the world to so the course, NBA so course, since he was 16. Porzingis wasn't good. Until okay, he got hurt. okay. One. All right. You name, name another. You just named two guys. Name you, another. You said Frank. Frank I named three. Okay. Dante Exum, Frank, and uh uh you ain't gonna help me. <laughs> you know my memory bad. You ain't gonna help me to make up. <laughs> you <laughs> mother- <laughs> You see, we know what I'm talking about. You know the third dude. Dante Exum, Frank, and Moutier. I named three. And I can name more if you gave me some time. That those are guys that was was professionally uh was was highly touted. I can name another one. Um um no, a boy who I'm got who you, Minnesota took. Who is who but, Minnesota took? I'm mm-hmm. finishing. That's a fourth one. Uh and now he played for Utah. Uh uh he used to play for Utah. Um, but, but come on, man, no, help me out, bro. No, yeah, no I'm, I'm trying to get to my point on this because I think that, of course, while you can use that as, as certain examples, you can't just automatically make that be the case for everyone. There's going to be outliers in I every situation. Four, There's going to be outliers five. in every situation. Right, so you think it's not outlier? You, you want to know why Kobe Bryant slipped to 13th in the draft? Yeah. Not just because of what his agent was doing before and try to purposely get him to places, but people didn't think that a guard could come in the league out of high school and have an impact or become a star out of high school. So teams passed on Kobe Bryant because those college players were the more sure thing. Kobe was something that someone that bucked the system or the usual trend. Now, we already have an example of Luka playing in an elite team, and you're probably talking about Ricky Rubio. Yeah, Ricky but, Rubio. But we already have a, 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 a trend. Of- so, Ramon, by you saying that LaMelo could be an outlier, 
in in fact, you kind of agreeing with me and saying the same thing. You you kind of saying if you can admit that that Lamelo would be an outlier. Uh, in virtual reality, it's not a common theme for players to go overseas and come to the NBA and expect immediate success. It, Ricky Rubio is just becoming a, a substantial role player in the league. And when he first got drafted, they was like, oh, he the next AI. They had those types of comparisons when he got drafted. And look at Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio has been subpar for the majority of his NBA career. Right. And so let me say this. and Let me get a little piece of that. Um, I think Lil those players, Peter, all those players Peter. that you mentioned, <laughs> and all those players you mentioned were foreign players already. No, Dante, I mean, uh, Moutier wasn't. Moutier is the only yes, example that you have player. of that. No, but y'all can't nullify that point. Let just me finish. Bro. Y'all, can't, y'all can't nullify that point. Y'all can't nullify that point. Go ahead. All those players you named were already foreign players. Lamelo is an American-born ball player with people with. With with the uh, the NBA uh, blueprint already for him, you know, with his brother, with his his pops that played college ball. That's neither here nor there. But this is a guy that has shown that he is the best ball brother. His brother went number two. You know, his brother we've seen that can play at a high level when healthy. He is better than his brother. He is bigger, faster. And Who's decided though? Brother. Who's decided? Uh, he he looks and, he looks like and, he, and, Lonzo and look, said it. Look, Lonzo said. All right, all right. I'll give you that then. I'll give you that. If Lonzo said it, Lonzo then I'll give you that. I, and I'm not saying that Lamelo won't be so when when he does have success. I'm like, oh, you said he wasn't gonna be nothing. I do say yeah, he's potential. Much. No, I'm not. I'm just I'm criticizing the people that's automatically writing Lamelo in. Like he has questions around him, just like Wiseman does, and just like you would say. Uh, at least we've seen Wiseman play D1 ball. We've seen how dominant he could be, but, and we've seen but, Cole. But and, this, but this and, gets back to the point. I want, but but Rob, this gets back to the point. I want to I want to retort no, to no. Carlos after you finish. You gotta, Rob, you gotta, this, you gotta stop making D1. That's that's what I'm just bar. that's what I'm just about to say, Rob. That's who you're gonna be we, playing we, in the NBA, Rob. Rob, though, but but listen to. But how many of those D one players? Keep, how many of those D one players are gonna play in the NBA? He, you got me there. So what I'm saying is, we, we just talked about the fact that really the league he's playing in right now can be viewed honestly better than what D one is at from a yeah D one is trash this year. D one right. is trash. So then if he's standing out in that, then to me you can evaluate that just like you, you can evaluate what Wiseman has shown, just like you can evaluate what Cole Anthony has shown. And honestly, at the level that he's been playing. The only guy that I would consider taking over him would be Wiseman. That's the only one I would consider Wiseman looks, taking over. Wiseman is really dominant. But to, to Lowe's point, and he said, and but to both of y'all points, because y'all both saying that Melo is is uh, an American player, but he's taking an unorthodox route, unorthodox route as opposed to anything we've ever seen because he hasn't really been playing on American soil that long. He played in that trash JBL league, and then he played – Overseas in what what was it? Lithuania. Lithuania, which they said Lithuania, that league was one of the most terrible leagues ever. So even if, even if y'all want to make the point that okay, all the players you mentioned was American players, like we've never seen a course of action like this. And I can make a case on all of that that Melo hadn't been playing really any any type of competition until now. What about when he went to Spire Academy? 
when he came when back he went to high school. High, when he came yeah, back when he played high school, and was I get that. Elite as far as yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Melo has been elite on no matter what circuit he played on. Even when you go to the days of when Lonzo was still in high school, when yeah, Melo was a him. freshman, yeah, yeah he crossed when, him. when Melo was a freshman, uh, Melo was of course starting on that team as a freshman, but he was the second best player. We know Leandro is not as good, but as far as the, the come on, Leandro the best ball brother. <laughs> <laughs> the way that he was able to score on that team, if you go back and look at that run that they had, Lonzo's senior year, and look at the production that Melo had, then he came back his sophomore year, and that's when he had the 92-point game. Yeah. And then you look at he does take the Lithuania route, but then his senior year comes back to Spire Academy, stands out at Spire Academy, really could have gone to any program he wanted to if the eligibility hadn't been messed up. He was right there as far as the name of a recruit with your Wisemans of the world, with your co Anthony's of the world, he just end up not. That's not my point, Ramon. You acting like I'm saying the dude trash and he not gonna come in and ball out. I'm not saying it. All I'm saying is that he's not an easy right in as everybody's making it out to be. I'm saying that if 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 Melo, it seems like Melo is the only guy where I don't hear any questions around him. And the the fact that we don't know on foreign side, like the only thing we can hear is reporters saying that this is a competitive league. That's the only way we know that. But it ain't like we watching him every night. We just seeing a box score where he's dominating. And I'm granted, I like Melo and I wish him success. And I'm not saying that he won't succeed in the league. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there should be some questions around him just by the unorthodox route. We haven't seen this route before. And 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 foreign players historically, just like you said, Melo, if he does succeed, would be an outlier as opposed of what's known as success. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We all saying the same stuff. I just think y'all just kind of like took one thing that I said. If it wasn't Melo's going to come in and be a dog, then it was kind of like y'all well, took I that think, way. Well, I think the thing is that, that you kind of wrote off quickly low saying Melo being the number one pick. And then you started yeah. naming these guys that, that should be above Melo. Right. And what I'm saying is, just like you saying that Melo should have question marks like these guys. Yeah. Now, we're saying the same thing. So, Wiseman should have as much question I, as... You said in, in a few games, yeah. Wiseman played. How did Wiseman look to okay, you? Okay, and how has Melo been looking? No, again... And how is Melo... And we just... Listen <laughs> to this, Rob. We go back to the point because we're going in circles. Yeah, we go back to the point. We, going we just in said that this league is better than D1. You think so? That's a far gone conclusion. I think so. Because I will say, I will say, D one is D one is is um is a little down this year in, in past years. I will it, I will concede to that. Now, is the league Melo's playing on foreign soil a far gone conclusion? Better competition than D one? I do not know that. I think so. And that's what's in question. If you think so, that's fine. And if 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 that's true, it may very well be true, Ramon. I'm not I'm not saying it, but that is that is something that we really can cannot like hundred percent say. Now, the reports are coming out that Melo is playing with former NBA players who have spoken highly of him and say that he's he's the real deal. Reporters have gone over there and watched and the, and the reports are coming out that it was a real deal. Now, when he was in Lithuania, the reports was coming out that the competition there is not quite where it needs to be. So, okay, so let's let's say that the league that he's playing in is 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 legit and let's say that they're Wiseman. Now, historically, a centers a center that can can do what Wiseman do can play outside, inside, can defend the cup. 
historically they usually go number one. And what I see why in Wiseman's is a number one pick regardless of the competition, just because of his measurables and what he brings to the table. But so is me, that fair? Yeah, but you tell me uh, I'm at. I I would say that's fair, but what I'll say too is over the course of the last twenty years, what kind of one of those guys has led his team to a championship? Of what you're mentioning, among if you're gonna choose the big. Now, what I can show you is more so wing players that lead you there more often than the big. Shaq. Yeah, but I'm saying as far as okay, if, if we go back, let's let's just talk okay about in today's game. game. Okay, in today's, today's game. In today's yeah. game. But it's still it's still like the Aiden, DeAndre Aiden went number one, didn't he? Yeah. And and with the Suns. And it, and it's kinda like, you know, I think that that's still employs when you got a big man that has a skill set like Aiden does or well, you're talking in circles. But basically my point I is see, I see your point there. Yeah. But, there but. should I'm not saying that for the record, for the listeners, I'm not saying that Melo ain't gonna come in and be a dog. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there should be question marks around him just like any other prospect. I see a lot of right in. Like, he should be – it's a foregone conclusion that he is the collective number one pick, and I don't think that well, that's I, I don't think I've seen that general consensus. But you, maybe, y'all just uh, said it. No, I, we believe that way. But even if you look at most mock drafts, they actually more so do lean your way and agree with you. With okay. But, okay. So I don't think that it's been a foregone conclusion that Melo. Melo's stock has been – it depends on the person you talk about. Some people think that he'll flame out in the league. I actually do agree with Los. I think that Melo is the best prospect yeah. in this class. You think, think he's the best prospect? I, I think he's the best prospect in this class. I think he's the third best prospect. And that's because I'm evaluating what I can see. I no, think I, 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 I've seen Cole Anthony play. I've seen Wiseman play. But I can't say that I've seen Melo play. But I, saying he's the third best prospect in his class is not a conviction. That is very but, good. That right, is very here's good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Dang, we spent when a lot of time on this. I think... I think um, People are saying the same thing about Luca. He's the third best prospect in the league. I think. What do I you would mean? think he will have that type of impact on his team. I think Lamelo will have that type of impact as far as rebounding, assisting, and getting getting buckets on his team that Luca will have because Luca end up falling to the Dallas. Well, Dallas have to end up trading with Atlanta to get him. Really and truly, if people look back and redraft now, Luca would have went first. I think people may make that mistake that you're saying, Rob, and say, oh, yeah, let's go with the D1 guy, the ones that did the generic one, and still stepping out and getting the guy that's probably the best player that will bring the most to the team. You know, I think, like I said, I think he is the Luca Doncic of this draft. That's and rushed, I know too. that's bold. That's rushed. I, I really think that he that's rushed. impact that game just that way that, you know, Luca will. I, I view him, and it, it, I, it could be a similar thing to what you're saying. It, but ain't, I really, it ain't many I, I view him as a as a bigger Trey Young. That's what I view him as, honestly. I think that skill sets, to me, are somewhat similar. Trey Young uh, can break you down as, as a point guard. He distributes it. He averaging, I think, eight-plus assists right now. Mm-hmm. He has that range. He averaging close sim- to 30 points. Yeah, he has that similar type of range that uh, that Trey Young. And then the thing about it, too, uh, another thing that's underestimated with Lamelo, Lamelo gonna be box office as well. So oh, it's yeah. not just about oh, even yeah. to exactly just what he's gonna bring production wise, but Melo is gonna be box office for you to and, even be able to fill seats. And it seems around. like he's very mature than when we first were introduced to him, which which he should be. We met him when he was a kid, when he was like thirteen or fourteen years old, as far as the media. 
And it seems like I mean I've been I watched the Ball in the Family show. I mean that's kind of like one of those things I do. I mean I'm, <laughs> it's a good I show, need to man. Watch it. I need to get back on um, it's actually a good season. They got a lot of adult drama to trade yeah. with 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 uh, Lonzo. Yeah. He going through with his girl. And, I mean, it's yeah. really good. But you know, just now, just it is like you know he knows what it is, and then he has the advantage of I did not intend on talking about Melo this long, but. It, he has the the luxury of, of seeing what his brother went through with Lonzo with with doing everything his dad laid out for him, and now Lonzo it seems like even on the show you can see it's kind of like his mentor, and now you see Melo is like I'm doing my own thing, I'm gonna do my own thing, you know I'm I'm gonna right. I'm 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 go through it because I mean part of the reason I wanted to do that on on this show I don't know if I have or not but it's just interesting to me that I think Lonzo has a little resentment in it I don't have no way to prove this I don't have no inside information but just Looking at it, I'd be upset too if I left left millions of dollars in in shoe money on the table because I'm trusting in in you who's supposed to know and it falls through, you know. And L- Melo is not gonna make that same mistake. So Melo, you know, he decided to go overseas and and he's doing his thing and I'm rooting for him despite of uh, this debate that we're having and I hope that he does do well. But I'm I'm just you know I'm not gonna write him in. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let it play its course. But uh, that's a good way to wrap up, man. I ain't spent spend on time, but that's an interesting right. topic, though. Right. So we'll see what's right. Uh, shout out to shout out to all the listeners. Shout out to everybody that's been supporting us. Um, make sure that you check out. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to us on um, Apple Play and um, uh, not Apple Play, iTunes, <laughs> iTunes Podcast, uh, Google Play. And any other outlet we have. Shout out to Shadow Worlds Media, who's who carry us as well. And um, we appreciate y'all for continuously supporting us. And uh, make sure that you tell a friend about us. Uh, And we out. Peace. Later.